Dustin has dealt with addiction firsthand. He has seen the devastating effects of infidelity in a marriage. He lost what he thought was his livelihood. He lost his daughter to Potter syndrome, lost his mother to drug addiction, and has had to deal with ongoing health issues. All of this would probably take the wind out of anyone's sails as it did him momentarily. And when he found himself broken, lost, and afraid, there was only one way to go, and that was up. And he fought through the scars and the pain of life, but he also wanted to share what he discovered during that journey. And he needed a system that would give him a roadmap to freedom. Doesn't that sound exciting? I am so looking forward to Dustin's interview today because so many of us can relate to many aspects of what I just shared here. Now, he has a powerful story of overcoming fear, adversity, and tragedy. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Hello, so glad to be here. How are you doing today? Well, we're doing great and I'm so excited about the intro of this show because there's so many things that we are going to cover and I believe in one of the emails I sent you, I said, you know, it's like a one-stop shop for tragedy and, (laughs) you know, there... Man, it's it's been a long road, that's for sure. And the thing is, is people will relate on different levels. And so that's why we're going to discuss, tell us a little bit about that journey through these various things and then how you coped with it. So the first one I want to ask you is your career. I mean, devastating to anyone. You were there for over 10 years and all of a sudden it's over. Tell us about that. So... So growing up, uh, most of my most of my childhood, I would say, was odd to say the least. My my father, he worked offshore on drilling rigs um, pretty much since I was knee high. Um, And I would live I would live two weeks with my dad and I would live two weeks with my mom. Uh, Whenever my dad was home, uh, I would live with him. And then I basically say that I lived out of a suitcase. Uh, So I would pack my suitcase. I would go to stay with my dad for two weeks. He would leave and I would come back to my mom and did that for years growing up in high school. And so um, I just kind of, I felt like my whole life um, that I would eventually work offshore on drilling rigs. I said it since I was a kid that I was going to be an oil rig hand, you know, I was going to bleed black oil through my veins, you know, and, 
I'd watched my dad do it. I'd, I'd been to schools where he had gone to firefighting training and all of this, all of this crazy stuff, you know, that as a kid, just, it looked larger than life. And, and so I remember right out of high school, um, not long after high school going, going into the oil patch and, uh, I started climbing that, I say climbing that corporate ladder in the in the oil field, and I, I went from a, a roustabout. Uh, actually, I went from an ordinary seaman to a roustabout, all the way up to a subsea engineer, and and I just saw like all the possibilities that were that were out there. We we often laughed and joked about about we made fantasy type money. I mean, it was it was it was really good money, right. especially mm-hmm. for where we were all from. Um, you know, Alabama, Mississippi, uh, several, uh, a, a, a lot of us down here in the lower region of the U.S., man, we, we found ourselves um, just climbing this ladder and, and living. Uh, a lot of people live the American dream and they bought the big houses and they bought the white picket fence and all of the four wheelers and all of the extras. And, mm-hmm. uh, and about six years ago, the bottom fell out of the market and over 200,000 jobs were lost. Um, mine was one of them. And I found myself on, on 25 acres and a, in a farmhouse and uh, wife pregnant and now, and now no job. And so I found myself kind of, kind of staring down the barrel of uncertainty. Uh, it, it scared me to death, Miss Carol. Yes, and I, that's what I said initially, is that many people will be able to understand that, especially in what our country has gone through, even in the last 10 years. And yes. what you counted on, what you banked on, was ripped out from under you. So you have that going on. And then, before we go into how you coped with all of that, tell us about the loss of your child. So so my wife and I, we had been trying to conceive for about four years at the time that, that she became pregnant. Um, uh, we had one daughter and, uh, and we had been trying for four years unsuccessfully. Um, finally she gets, she gets pregnant. Um, I'm working, uh, offshore at the time that we find out she's pregnant and things are looking great. We had just gotten this farmhouse, 25 acres. Um, the world could not get any sweeter. And, uh, and then when I, when I lost my, my job, when I was laid off, um, we went to about 17 weeks in to the pregnancy. We went to the doctor, uh, to do a gender reveal. We were gonna, we were gonna have a gender reveal party. So we were going to have the, um, doctors just put Mm -hmm. in a note of, they were going to put in a note and we were going to hand it over to our family to, you know, do the gender reveal and all of that. So, uh, I just remember when they hooked my wife up to the ultrasound, uh, I remember the tech just going completely silent. I remember her just, I mean, she just, she goes completely numb. And so I'm, I'm asking her what's going on. Uh, she says that, um, she just needs to do some more looking, uh, she calls a doctor in there and I just, I could tell by their demeanor. I could tell by the way right, things were right. happening. Something wasn't right. So next thing I know, 
there's two doctors in there. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, somebody tell me what's going on. All right. And so they could not find kidneys or a bladder. Come to find out. Oh my goodness. My my daughter was diagnosed with Potter syndrome, which means that that she was going to be born without kidneys or a bladder. So all of a sudden, we go for a gender reveal. Now we're hearing words like early termination, uh, abortion. We're hearing all this type stuff that has got us basically so confused, so scared on top of losing my job. I'm now facing uh, Mm. losing my daughter. And at this moment in time, I'm totally confused with absolutely nowhere to turn and no idea of of what's going to happen. Have they ever figured out what causes that and how common this is? We were told it could be genetics, um, but we have no trace of where it where it would have come from. We, we just um, it, it's it hasn't happened in my family that I'm aware of. And so um, they said it, it could be a genetic thing, but we have no clear direction on where it came from. But they said that it's it's more common than, you know, whatever really? that means, really? yeah, whatever that means. So we actually went through and, and sought some advice on and some counsel on on what to do. And uh, we decided to sustain the baby uh, for as long as God would sustain her. You know, I mean, mm. we didn't know we, we wow. didn't know we didn't know what to do. I just I've always been, um, y- you know, one that that advocates for life for sure. And so we yeah. didn't know what else to do, but just but just to keep going and keep pushing. And uh, we went one month shy of full term and Callie Grace passed away uh, in her mother's womb. uh, Just one month shy full term. If you could do it over again, would you do the same thing? Yes. Yes. I say that because the, the great things that we saw, the blessings, the love that we experienced, uh, we saw humanity at its worst, and we saw humanity at its very best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was something that I don't wish on anyone, but it's an experience that, that I would absolutely do over again in a second because I know, I just know that, that God's hand is with us, and, and, and I know that, you know, in and through it all, humanity will prevail in powerful ways and come together. Man, it, it was just such a, uh, a blessed, tragic time that I can't even begin to, to describe it. No, you have to experience that you wouldn't be able to describe it. I understand yeah. that totally. And now if that wasn't enough, you also said that you have dealt with addiction firsthand. Now, does this yeah. have to do with your mom or yourself or both? This, um, this, is, this is both. So growing up, um, growing up in, in my home, uh, I very much, I, I told you, I, I say I lived out of a suitcase. Um, I would live with my mom for two weeks. I would live with my dad growing up. There were often times where, you know, I wasn't just the last kid picked up from baseball practice. I, I, I wasn't picked up, you know, and, and I can remember the coach, Aww. um, 
you, you know, taking me to my grandmother's house and uh, stuff like that after the after practice or after the game. Um, I remember getting baptized around 12 years old and I remember my mother wasn't there and uh, just a lot of a lot of things. No, nope. you, you know, she was addicted to pain medication and I know my mother loved me. She would fight off a, a tiger for me. Um, I, I know this, but she was struggling with an addiction that was bigger than her. And so I, it was just almost second nature to sort of fall in those same tracks. And, um, I was always attracted to the, to the wrong crowd, I guess you could say. And, um, I faced a drug addiction myself, uh, alongside watching it take my mother's life, um, just months after I lost my daughter, Callie Grace. And so, um, addiction is a, is a very, uh, scary, scary thing. It is one that, that can be overcome, but I look at addiction very much so as a disease. It's, it's okay. very much so as something that, that grabs a hold of you. You can't overcome the power and strength of addiction on your own. Believe me, I, my mother tried. Um, it, it just, it can't happen. It's such a, it's such a powerful, powerful disease that once it's got a hold of you, it, it, it just, it changes the lives of everyone around you. There were moments in your life when you were feeling completely helpless and hopeless. And yes. this is evident by what you just shared, because some people, they would go through one of these traumatic experiences and wonder how they are going to make it through, if they can make it through. And then yes. you multiply that with everything else. And I'm sure that you came to a place where almost gave up hope. So yes. I'm going to stop right there. We're going to have a short 30-second break, and then we're going to talk about the other side of hopelessness. Yes. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another. Gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. Spirit is amazing. The human spirit is amazing in that what it can endure, how it fights, and how it succeeds from tragedy to triumph. And in the first part of this podcast today, you heard Dustin's story. And you heard how, what I'm sure it pulled at your heartstrings to see what he went through. The loss of a child, the loss of his mother, the loss of a job, the loss of his possible sanity through addiction. So let's pick it up there and let's talk about how you got through these things. I'm glad you're you're turning it kind of over to this because while all of that was hard and all of that was 
was certainly tragic in and of itself. I do want to turn and and and, and take a look at at some of the things that God did in and through those situations because okay. in those moments, if you if you remember, I said I saw humanity at some of its worst and I and I saw humanity mm-hmm. at some of its best. When I I can remember going into the hospital when we found out Callie Grace had passed away uh, in in the womb. We had to go in, uh, and this sounds terrible, but we had to take her. And so uh, we go into the hospital room. I remember that nurse. I remember the look in her eyes um, when they took Callie Grace out of her mother's womb and handed her to me. Um, she, she had in fact passed and I remember I just lost it. And I remember I just, I was, I was, I was in pieces and that nurse reached over in her toolbox and grabbed a handful of gauze. And she handed me a handful of gauze to just wipe my eyes. Listen, while, while that seems so simplistic Mm-hmm. It's something that has stuck with me for years wow. of she did all she knew to bring comfort on a hurting human being in that moment. And I remember she hugged me and I looked around that room. They had called in a whole bunch of students that were from a local college. They had called them in to see the bad side of labor and delivery. And so um, we were, we were totally fine with it, you know, and there were students lined up all along the wall. And I remember just looking at each one of them while I was holding Callie Grace and I saw oh my goodness. in their eyes, the love and admiration they had for just a father daughter role, a father daughter, just hard moment. And it was like, it dawned on me. It didn't dawn on me at the time, but it dawned on me later that we are created in the image of God. We are created in the Imago Dei. As I experienced love from that nurse, and I experienced it radiating from each and every one of those people, it was a majestic moment that was just one of Yes, it was one of tragedy. Yes, it was one of sorrow and hardship. But Carol, it was one of it was one of love. It was one of togetherness, of unity, of power. I remember going into the hospital room and I remember the doctors coming by and we would get lost in conversation. We would get lost in conversations about heaven and about all kinds of different things. And I just <laughs> I, I mean, I remember uh, friends coming in and they were saying, Dustin, I expected gloom and doom when we walked in here, but but it feels so lively. And and I remember it was because the spirit, you know, that human spirit you talked about was next level because God's spirit was present. And, and I just I just remember um, walking through a time that was just so powerful that I knew then and there, people have to know about this. People have to mm. know that 
when they go through tragedy, when they go through hardships, they're not alone. They're not alone. And and I remember losing my mother. I remember uh, when she took her final breaths. I, I was right there in the hospital when she took her final breaths, succumbing to a drug overdose. And again, I witnessed and I felt God's God's just love and patience and heaviness on on the whole place and everybody that we came in contact with. And in and through that, I remember studying the book of Joshua in the Bible. And that book really changed the trajectory of my life from there. Um, it, it basically empowered me to write the book Courage and Redemption, which was the six battle principles from the story of Joshua. And this would be six principles that I would use and my family would use to begin to bring healing and to show other people that God is who he says he is and that he is good even in the midst of bad. Well, that's the next question that I had for you is I'd like to talk about your book, Courage and Redemption. Now, is the book a story or is it strictly like a workbook or, or how how is it presented? This book is a story. It's the story of much of my um trauma mixed with um, the story of Joshua mixed with helping someone in the midst of their struggle be able to find courage and redemption. So this is basically six battle principles to help someone overcome hardships by um, me introducing some of my struggles and exactly how Joshua overcame his obstacles and challenges and struggles and so and how you can do it too that's basically what the book is about okay and so just recap them a little bit if you would please so the first one my first key principle from the story of joshua is preparation it's prepare for battle and here's the thing um this this life is tough man this life is hard this life is a battle. Joshua suddenly was faced with having to take Israelites uh, into the promised land after his leader Moses had died. And so he had faced a hard situation, the loss of his mentor, the loss of his leader. And now basically God looks at at Joshua and says, Moses is dead. And it's up to you to take them into the promised land. (laughs) And so he's faced with this huge obstacle. And we know that he's scared to death because God keeps telling him over and over. In fact, like three times in the first nine verses, be strong uh, and courageous. And so it's like um, here he is fearful and afraid. And he tells the people, we must prepare provisions for ourselves." first before crossing the Jordan. And I thought about, I thought about a flight attendant. Okay. When you go to take a flight, the flight attendant says that, that you will experience, you may experience high altitude and you'll experience the, the drop down of the oxygen masks. Now a flight attendant will tell you that oxygen mask, make sure you put yours on first 
because you're no good to anyone else if you can't breathe. <laughs> and so, so when I, when I thought about that and I saw this in exactly how Joshua was saying, Hey guys, we have to prepare. We have to prepare provisions for ourselves before we can move forward into what God has called us to do. It was something that just stuck out at me that said, we're always in a, in a place of preparation for something. No matter where we are in this life, we have to be prepared. And in the oil field, there was an old saying from my, my boss. He used to say, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So I understand the power of preparation. And so that's kind of the first key principle. Uh, and the book goes into a little more detail of what that preparation can look like for you in the midst of your struggle. The second one was obtain spies. So before, before, and by spies, I mean people, I mean life givers, <laughs> like people who don't just tell you what you want to hear, but people who tell you what you need to hear. So Joshua sent actual, he sent spies over into the promised land. They came back with this message of hope on how they could, they could do this thing. You know, and, and they came back with a with a great, promising, powerful uh, message. And, and I just remember uh, my, that feeling of, wow, you know, like he sent two spies, which just so happened to be the same number of spies that came back out of 12 that Moses had sent into the promised land originally. And only two came back with a message of hope, one That's of right. which was, in fact, Joshua. I think that Joshua learned something uh -huh. that it's not it's not necessarily the quantity of people speaking into your life, but it's the quality of people speaking into your life. So Joshua sends two spies into the promised land. And if you remember the story, he, the the. Uh, the, the spies, they run into Rahab, and it's this great, powerful moment of humanity that I think everybody should read. You could learn a lot. But basically, Rahab lets them know that the terror of you and your God has fallen on us, and we know that you're going to take this land over. And so these spies come back, and, and they tell Joshua and the people, and it and it brings life into them and it just empowers them to, to take that step. And it leads me into the third uh, key battle principle, which is crossing the Jordan. We all have our Jordan, our obstacle, our thing that's standing in our way from, from everything that God's called us to be. And I'm asking you, will you take that step? What does that obstacle look like? I give a demonstration of how the kings they, they or the, the priests, they stepped into the water and it cut off the flow from uh, uh, the Jordan to the, uh, to, the, to the Dead Sea. And it was just this beautiful picture of God's uh, grace and mercy on the Israelites. The point is, is that we can never cross our Jordan if we're not willing to step in the water. And finally, number four is defeat the enemy. 
they went on and they faced battle after battle after battle. And ultimately, they found out that it was through their obedience that they won their battles. And when they got cocky and when they tried to step into AI after the famous Battle of Jericho, they got their butts handed to them because they stepped outside of what God had told them to do. And so defeating the enemy means that it's not me who fights, but God who fights inside of me. All I have to do is be obedient and walk and and step and trust and believe and have faith. And then finally, uh, number five is, is claim your inheritance. After they had fought and battled and, and gotten into the promised land, Joshua still found himself at a ripe old age with a lot of work to do. And it said that Joshua started divvying out uh, land amongst the tribes. And so he basically gained all that God had for him and for his people and then divvied out their blessings. And so once we've gone through all of our battles and our fights and our struggles and our hardships, I firmly believe it's then on us to reach out and help others who are going through their Jordan, who are going through their obstacles, who are going through their battles. Claim your inheritance and then help people to claim theirs. And this is how humanity works. This is how love, this is how um, we are to treat each other. And last but not least, live your legacy. Guys, we only have one shot at this life. This side of heaven, we only have one opportunity at this thing. There's a date that we're born and there's a date that we die. And in between that is a straight line on our tombstone. That dash represents our life right here, right now. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? And I want to encourage you to live your legacy. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That was excellent. My goodness, I really appreciate it. Now, I'm just going to recap the titles. The first is Prepare for Battle. The second is Obtain Spies. The third, Cross the Jordan. And the fourth, Defeat the Enemy. The fifth, Claim Your Inheritance. And the sixth, Live Your Legacy. Okay, that's awesome. We'll have all of these in the show notes too so people can think about them as they're as they're reading your book as they're listening to your to your story here this was excellent i mean you you grabbed my heart in certainly yes. the beginning but also in this and how this all relates to uh the story of joshua now we're running short on time but i did want you to talk a, a minute or so about your podcast and also okay. what you're doing to motivate the youth yes um so i am a full-time youth pastor, uh, on top of podcaster, on top of author. Um, I'm also in real estate and, and all of that. And so my goal and my purpose in life is to help young folks, is to help uh, young adults and teenagers overcome life's obstacles and become a better version of themselves. Um, and so one thing that I am very, very passionate about that you mentioned is my podcast, Scar. And SCAR stands for Seeking Courage and Redemption with Dustin Rivenbark. And it can be found on iHeartRadio, it can be found on Podbean, and it can be found on iTunes. And basically SCAR 
uh, like I said, it stands for Seeking Courage and Redemption. And it is basically interviewing people with hard stories, people who have overcame, um, people who are experts in different areas, such as whether it's addiction, whether it's mental health, whether it's uh, whatever it may be, and people who have walked through struggles, hardships, and all of that. It's amazing stories of, of triumph and overcoming and how we can learn from each other. That's a lot like this show. <laughs> well, that's a lot like this Exactly. Show, yes. Well, this has been awesome. I mean, there's so much here and so many words of encouragement. And yes. I love when people have these remarkable attitudes of wanting to help others because of what they themselves have experienced. And anything yes, you ma'am. want to say in conclusion? I just want to uh, encourage people that... Just, just know that you're not alone. Know that you're, you're not by yourself. You're not the only one. And when you feel like you are, please uh, reach out. You know, the moment that you think that you're alone, I often believe that's an open door to uh, the enemy to step in and be able to wreak havoc or even your own, um, your own mental health to step in and get in the way. And so I want to encourage each and every Uh, person that's listening to this, um, don't be afraid to reach out, whether it's to me, whether it's to Carol, whether it's to your own professional um, uh, counselor, whatever. Um, Just know that we are created to do life together. Love you guys. Oh, that I loved it. Thank you. And thank you so much, (laughs) Dustin, for being on Never, Ever Give Up Hope. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.